Good morning. It is Friday, December 17th. I am your host, Lance Glynn, and this is the best of the 2022 early signing day show. It was a busy day filled with surprise commitments, shocking decisions, and maybe the biggest flip in recruiting history. You'll hear from Josh Pate, Steve Wiltfong, Chris Hummer, Andrew Ivins, and many others over the next couple minutes as we run through some of the highlights from Wednesday's signing show. Let's start in the morning, and the discussion started with the top player in the 2022 class, someone we will go on to talk a lot about Travis Hunter. But at least for right now, the conversation was about the player and not what could possibly happen later on. We in the recruiting industry, we've talked about him for a long time, but there may be a lot of people who have seen the name and they know those five stars next to his name. But Andrew Ivins, I'll start with you. What kind of player are we looking at here? One of the best I've ever seen and scouted. I was out at in Atlanta for a seven-on-seven tournament, and I was trying to cover everyone there. The entire day, my eyes kept shifting back to Travis Hunter. And he's a corner by trade, right? Uh, but he does it all at wide receiver. I call him wide receiver one, cornerback one in the class of 2022. I think he can do anything. I expect him to play right away. I've uh, compared him to Charles Woodson, just, you know, that's a pretty lofty player comparison. I don't want to do that, but he just takes over games, uh, makes everything look so natural. And I expect him to make an impact, like I said, early on, probably on special teams as well. It's a huge get for Mike Norvell um, and really just a truly special talent. Chris Singletary, you know, we, we can talk during the break about comparisons. When we get on air, we're a little bit tentative to give comparisons for obvious reasons. I, I know I never hardly do it, but right. it's hard when you look at him. It's hard not to at least hard harken back to some of those names that are etched in the annals of not only college football recruiting, but eventually the league on Sunday. You see a lot of the characteristics there from a kid that's still in high school. When you look at Travis Hunter, you see tremendous length, tremendous athletic ability, and most importantly, uh, production. He produces on both sides of the field, and he produces in the the special teams. So he's an ultimate threat. The beautiful thing about the guys that are sitting in the room in Tallahassee, there's going to be a fight, offense, defense, and even the special teams coach on who gets Travis Hunter and gets enough time to let his gang grow and develop. But that's a good problem to have. And he's a guy that's a foundational piece for college programs. As NLIs started flowing in, it was Michigan State that really made an impact with the first member of their 2022 class. Tate Muir was a star football player at Oxford High School that tragically lost his life trying to protect his fellow students during the shooting at the school in late November. Muir grew up with Michigan State as his dream school, and Mel Tucker named him as the first Spartan dog of the 2022 class. We are honored to recognize Tate Muir as the first Spartan dog of the 2022 class. A Spartan dog is defined not by the plays they make on the field, but by the character they exemplify, the leadership they bring to their team and their community, and for extraordinary individuals like Tate Muir, their heroism. Tate is, and always will be, a Spartan dog. Tate Muir had an unmatched work ethic, athleticism, and love for his teammates. He had a passion to one day play for Michigan State. This passion was paired with an unstoppable drive and follow through to get there. Tate's consistency on and off the football field elevated everyone who knew him. Our hearts go out to the families and loved ones of Hannah St. Juliana, Justin Schilling, Madison Baldwin, and Tate Muir. And we will continue to support the Oxford community any way that we can. The conversation then moved on to the biggest name in the transfer portal, Quinn Ewers, and his commitment to Texas. It certainly has a big impact on the Steve Sarkeesian era, and Chris Hummer broke down exactly what this means for the Longhorns moving forward. Chris Hummer, the first thing I want to ask you, other than how you're doing this morning, is what has the immediate fallout felt like around the state of Texas with Quinn Ewers making that decision? There was kind of an earthquake the other day when it happened, and I think it still might be going. 
Texas is recruiting lights out right now, despite a f- uh, five and seven season. That's not all because of Quinn Ewers, but that domino has a big impact on Texas's plans moving forward. Um, he is the quarterback of the future at Texas. He is the most important win of Steve Sarkeesian's era. And I think they're still celebrating at Texas. It's much easier to sell guys when you've got an elite quarterback talent on campus like Texas does with, with Quinn Ewers. And he is as good as it gets. I think we've considered him a generational prospect of 24-7 sports for a long time. And Texas and Steve Sarkeesian are kind of counting on Quinn to carry the team into the next portion of uh, Texas football, which they hope is more wins than we've seen in Texas in at least a decade. Yeah, it was interesting. When they were coming out of the season, Chris, there was kind of a non-committal response from Steve Sarkeesian about the guys he currently had on campus. And everyone sort of said, well, he's saying that because of this. And the this eventually pans out. Before we move on to a lot of other big names out there, just very quickly, there's got to be a feeling around the program, does there not, that this could be a potential windfall. And there could be several other dominoes, not just in this class, but in the 2023, maybe even 24 classes fall, because guys just want to be around sort of those alpha quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. The quarterback is the most important uh, recruiting position possible. They often are the Pied Piper in their class. Texas still has a couple big fish out there in 2022 they're hoping to land. Devin Campbell's not planning to sign during the early signing period. He'll wait until uh, February National Signing Day, but he is the biggest fish out there. Texas has an excellent offensive line class already. Probably the program's best since Mac Brown was on campus in the mid-2000s. And if you can add Devin to what's already a really strong group, that would put the chair on top. But Texas has bigger aspirations. You still have to win. But as you said, 2023 gets a lot easier to recruit with with Quinn. 2024 gets a lot easier to recruit given that Quinn could be there. Marcus Freeman, the new head coach of Notre Dame, then joined the show to talk about what his time at the helm of the Irish has been like so far and his first recruiting class now that he's in charge of the program. First thing I want to do is welcome you, and I want to ask you for everyone, this has been about as wild a drinking out of a fire hose transition as you could undergo, and yet you look rested, you look energetic, you look ready to go. What's this been like so far? Well, it's 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 been a whirlwind, but um, it's extremely exciting. Yeah, my, my energy is, is as high as it can go just because of the, the opportunity to lead this football program. I can't tell you how excited I am. What was interesting to me is when you guys were figuring out your staff there, in some cases that's still going on, but when you were figuring out your staff, you guys talked a lot about what it means to commit to Notre Dame. And uh, you and a lot of those coaches committed to Notre Dame. Well, now we're selling that same message and that same vision to kids in this class and future classes. I'm very interested because this means something. What does it mean to commit to Notre Dame? Why is that special unto any other program in America? Well, I think Notre Dame is a place that will con- that change your life for the better. Um, you know, students that come here, no matter if you're an athlete or not, you spend four years on this campus, you're going to be better because of it. And and that's what we want these young athletes to realize is, yes, yes, you want to play for a championship program and you can do that here at Notre Dame. But the reality is, is that after four years on this campus and four years in this community, you're going to be a better person because of it. You're going to be better equipped to take on this world when you leave this place. And that's why it's so exciting to be a part of this university. Coach, when you look at this class and you looked at your current roster, what were some of the most critical factors that you guys knew you needed to address here? And maybe where are some places you still want to address? Well, you know, for me, it was a little bit unique in terms of being on the defensive side of the ball, not more than two weeks ago, focused on the defense. And, and I know one position we needed was linebacker. And so we we addressed that issue, signing four guys, and, and that's what we needed to do. Um, we end up signing three DBs. And, and But then as you become the head coach, you look at the other side of the ball. And, and a position that we definitely wanted to address was the offensive line 
And we signed five guys on that side of the ball. And so that's extremely exciting of all these players coming in. And, and a lot of these guys are mid-years. And so they'll be here in less than four weeks. And so I can't wait to get to work with them and, and get those guys integrated with our team and, and watch them blossom as we move forward. Coach, what's the message moving forward when you look at where Notre Dame is and you look at where you want to get? Is it an intangible that it takes to get you there? Are there some critical brick and mortar pieces that you need when you get out of this signing day and you're moving forward? What are the points of emphasis for Notre Dame football? Well, I think it starts with finishing off this year right, right? We, we've, we're 11 and 1 right now. We got a chance to finish as a champion of the, t- toast, uh, uh, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. And so um, that's my focus right now is making sure we finish this year right and we use that momentum as we go forward in terms of recruiting, in terms of the culture and, and, and enhancing this culture in terms of not changing it, but making sure that we are all enhancing. We're all doing this thing together. And um, it's exciting. It's exciting because you get to do it with unbelievable student athletes and unbelievable staff. And uh, I am really looking forward to the future of Notre Dame football. So that's when the fun really began. You know, we mentioned Travis Hunter at the top of this episode, the top player in the 2022 class and the longtime Florida State commit. Rumors started circulating that he might be looking elsewhere. It wasn't hometown Georgia, not Alabama, not LSU. It was instead with Coach Prime and a program that was looking to shock the country. So um, I asked a source recently if Travis Hunter had any chance of being in the fold. And it was a a source around the Georgia program that said, hell no, apparently I was looking in the wrong place. And uh, uh, per our bud Elliot, Travis Hunter has wiped all his stuff uh, from Instagram being a Florida State commit. And then a, a, a source on the college level in the state of Georgia is predicting that Jackson State and Deion Sanders is in a good position to land Travis Hunter. So stay tuned. Hold on. So I don't know that I've ever honestly said this before, but I actually did get chills when he said it. It never happened on air well, before. Well, I got the text before, and I was like, I, I replied a holy, I can't <laughs> say the other thing to, to our guy Bud Elliott in our group chat. Uh, this would be insane. They say when there is smoke, there's usually fire. And as more and more people focused in on this recruitment, Travis Hunter finally made his intentions known. He was not going to attend Florida State. He was looking to be a trendsetter and the top player in the country committed to Deion Sanders and Jackson State. So this has the entire recruiting world turned upside down. We just saw him make it official. Steve Wolfong, your initial thoughts. I just think it's awesome. I think it's awesome for uh, HBCUs. I think it's awesome for that stage of football. You're seeing great head coaches hired in that league, guys with great credibility. Eddie George over there not far from you at Tennessee State. And to get Travis Hunter to commit to Jackson State and go play in that league, I'm interested to see what this does for prospects in the 2023 class and 2024 because Travis Hunter is a guy that a lot of these younger players, just one year younger, two years younger, look up to. And when they're at a camp where Travis Hunter is competing, they're stopping and watching him. Guys that are playing against him in seven-on-seven games are almost forgetting that they're playing in a game. They're watching this young man do his thing. And I think this is just an incredible story. I think it's pretty awesome that he's going to Jackson State. And I just wonder if we're going to see some Jackson State football on national television next year a little bit more. Hunter's flip to Jackson State, which is, I think, without a doubt, the biggest flip in recruiting history, sent shockwaves throughout the country. But nevertheless, commitments were still flowing in. Four-star linebacker Jerron Willis committed to Ole Miss, defensive lineman Curtis Perry chose Alabama, and Azaria Thomas brought some positivity to Florida State when they needed it most signing with the Seminoles. Tell me what went into this decision. What's it like to be a Florida State Seminole? I mean, the the second I stepped on campus, it felt like home, away from home. And uh, Coach Novell, I know he's building something special over there, and I want to be a, a, a part of that. So 
Yes, sir. Azariah Thomas, congratulations to you. Congratulations to everyone there. Have fun with the celebration. Azariah yeah. Thomas headed to Florida State. All right, so we looked at the player profile here, and now we've got an official Andrew Ivan's initial thoughts. It's been a difficult few hours here for Florida State. I, I think uh, Azariah Thomas, I, it's a nice consolation prize, okay? You pair him with Sam McCall. Those are two guys that are top 100 talents, guys that can play on both sides of the ball. You know, I'm not saying they're poor men, Travis Hunters, but they're impact players, guys. I think if you took Azariah, you took his tape, he would probably be one of the best wide receivers in, in, in the state of Florida, and they're going to try him out on defense. So uh, not the end-all, be-all for Florida State, and they're probably going to be a loser today just because they lost Travis Hunter, but uh, still got to like that win. It's impressive, and they, initially they weren't involved in that recruitment all that much. Afterwards, we saw decisions from four-star wide receiver Darius Clemens, who chose Big Ten champion Michigan. Shaz Preston, the number three wide receiver in the country, chose Alabama. And Mario Cristobal was able to grab four-star defensive lineman Nigel e. Kelly. Texas A&M has surged on signing day. They ended with the top class in the country. But at the time, they were fighting Alabama for the top spot in the 2022 team rankings. Head coach Jimbo Fisher then joined Josh Pate on the early signing day show to break down his class and the playmakers in it. Coach Fisher, you you probably woke up at like 3.17, so now it's 3.17 in the afternoon. What's the day been like there in College Station so far? You know, really good. I mean, so far, so good. I mean, no surprises of anything, anybody backing out or anything in that regard, which you always worry about. And we still got some huge announcements coming for the rest of the day that, you know, hopefully we feel good about, but we'll wait and see when those come, you know, till they till they say it and do it. Uh, you know, you still keep your fingers crossed. But right now, it's been a really good day, really good day. We were talking here on the desk, and a lot of people are talking nationally about this class being historic for Texas A&M. And we watched you beat Alabama this year, and we saw the field storming. And there are a lot of things that feel historic about the program, but we're watching from 50,000 feet. You're in the weeds there. You're running things every day. Do things feel different in this class? Is it that much of a shift like it maybe feels on the outside? Well, I mean, I think people realize what we can do, where we're going, where this game is going, what our future is here, and what, and what A&M can present for them, not only athletically, but for life after ball education and everything else. This, this place is all encompassing. It has everything it needs. Uh, they're committed to winning. They're committed to doing everything. We've gotten great great classes the last three or four years, and they see that we're ready to make a hump, and they want to be part of something, and you want to be the first to do something, not just another guy who does something. And uh, this place can be very special, and I think they see it, and the guys in Texas are staying home. And then we're, be, we're able to go out and cherry-pick some guys across the country to, to come to us instead of people coming in here and getting our guys. So it's been very historic in that way, and I think it, hopefully that'll be the trend from here on out. That was a loaded answer there. There's a lot of themes in the last few years in recruiting you just hit on. I wanted to go back to keeping your guys in state. Your quarterback there, Connor Wigman, our Steve Wolfong, was just talking about him and how every headline's been about Quinn Ewers and where is he headed via the transfer portal, and you guys weren't really involved in that. And it probably speaks volumes, correct me if I'm wrong, to how confident you are in the quarterback you already had in your class. Well, those guys are all great players, but I've invested from the number one when they were the same. I think this guy's the best guy in the country. I think, I think he can do everything you have to do. More important, besides the running and the throwing, he's unbelievably competitive. He's unbelievably tough. He affects his teammates in a great way. And there wasn't a lot of Division One players on his team. And they, I mean, when he played, they won, period. Took him deep in the playoffs, and then if he couldn't play the game, they got beat. Now, whether they won it or not. But the way he affects his guys, his arm, his leg, he has unbelievable action. I had him in camp. His release, his, his intelligence level, unbelievable learning abilities. Can run as a legit 4-6, high 4-5 guy, makes you miss, big physical. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing he can't do. And when you put the intangibles with a great ability, I, I think he's the best, the best one in the country. Let me ask you this. You're talking about quarterback there, and you're talking about those characteristics you always look for. I'm looking at some of the perimeter skill talent here, too. Are there things offensively you've wanted to do in your tenure there that you have not been able to do to this point that personnel like this will now allow you to do? Oh, no doubt. I mean, you go back. We've had, I've had 
guys that won the Blitnikoff. We had all-time leading receivers in the SEC. We had tons of first-round guys, a bunch of guys in Florida State. And, our, and our, you know, we got banged up and bruised up. And we've had great tight ends, great backs, and we receivers have done really good. We you know get some guys that can get up, get to the top, taking off the defense, get down, make the big plays, and really stretch the field in so many different ways. And that's what I've always done. We've been able to always run the ball, but have balance. But you got to stretch the field, those actions and, and deep ball threats. And I think this class will allow us to do that when it's all said and done. When you self-scouted and self-assessed Texas A&M football and you looked into this recruiting class, what were some of the most critical traits and factors you wanted to address? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to tell you what. I, I get into we get into ability. I want to get into competitive nature. I want to get into intelligence. How important is football to you? How do you want to compete? How 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 are you willing to do all the things that go with playing football? Because today we're getting all the, the glitz and glamour, but at the end of the day, the great teams can play all phases and can be physical, can do the things you have to do. But now we want again, we wanted to speed, guys, difference makers who touch the football, everybody who touched it, can they score with it? Can they stretch the field with size, speed? You know. We've got some great guys in this class, that, and I can't talk about all of them yet. Some of them I haven't declared yet and what we're doing and we haven't made announcements. But, I mean, I think receivers that can really stretch the field, but play deep, play quick, play fast, backs that are physical, strong, and can really run quarterback like we talked about. Offensive line, I love our offensive line class. Uh, Wade's coming into play. Hopefully it'll finish right. Our defense, we hit it all the way across the board. And you got to be able to cover in the secondary, and you got to be able to affect the quarterback. The guys who put their hand in the dirt up front can affect that game. And then linebackers, I mean, guys can run sideline to sideline. And we also, in the kicking department, we always have to have great kickers. And I've, I've been blessed to have some phenomenal ones in my career. Later on, AM landed Anthony Lucas and Cam Dewberry. Kamari Wilson chose Florida. Derek Moore chose Michigan. And Jihad Campbell is headed to Alabama. Then DJ Westlick made his commitment to Missouri. Marvin Jones Jr. decided to head to Georgia. And Earl Little Jr. announced he will be playing for the Crimson Tide. To end the day, we had two decisions. First, five star Keontae Goodwin made his choice as Michigan State and Kentucky have been battling for his commitment. Where will you be spending your college career? Um, you know, I've had a, a chance to meet a lot of people over, you know, the last few months. I've been able to take my business, you know, Alabama, A&M, Florida State, Michigan, Michigan State. I've had a chance to meet a lot of people that I didn't know that I'd be able to meet. Uh, never thought I would have the chance to meet. Um, been able to talk to a lot of great coaches, um, and a lot of great things. Um, you know, I, I had a great, a lot of great talks with Coach Tuck, Coach Cap. You know, they really, uh, you know, made me feel welcome, and you know, they really made me feel like, you know, saying I can be part of the family. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of uh, great things that Michigan State has, you know, um, shown me um, that they were able to do. Um, but with that being said, um, I'm staying home and uh, playing football at the University of Kentucky. So there it is, Kentucky. Wildcat blue is what Keonta Goodwin will do for his college career. I know this was not an easy decision, and I know a lot of people watch from afar, and us included, can't really imagine what it's like. But now that you've made it official, what is it about Kentucky that made that the final decision for you? I'm really like uh, the relationship. Like they were uh, like two similar schools. Like there's been days and nights where, you know, like, you know, it's just back and forth uh, with both schools. And, you know, uh, Kentucky, you know, I uh, had a chance to, you know, to talk to Coach Stoops and I had a chance to talk to Coach, Coach Mel Tucker, you know, uh, um, like uh, before I made this decision. Um, you know, I wasn't ready this morning, um, but I was ready now, uh, you know, having a chance to really uh, just figure out, you know what I'm saying, like, um, you know, like really uh, fit me the best. 
With Goodwin headed to Kentucky, all eyes then shifted to four-star Eni White, a longtime Texas A&M lean that finally made it official as he will head to College Station to play for Jimbo Fisher. All right, brother, without further ado, I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Eni White, where will you be spending your next three or four years? For these next three or four years, I'll be attending the University of Texas A&M. There it is. College Station is the destination. And I White makes it official here. He's headed to Texas A&M, part of a historic recruiting class taking shape there for Texas A&M. So this was expected by a lot of people. But now that it's final, I can ask you, what was it about Texas A&M? There were some big programs involved with you throughout the recruitment. And this is ultimately where you end up. What was it that made you want to be an Aggie? Uh, that uh, family like Phil I got from uh, Texas A&M. It's a lot of uh, players that down there that I know. But uh, just going down there a lot of times I uh, took three visits. It's just like I got the family atmosphere. It reminds me of my high school. So I just want to go there and win games, do what I got to do. And just I'm proud to be Aggie. Hey, let me ask you this because there are a lot of big time names on that commitment list, as you well know. How much communication was there with the members of this class behind the scenes? Uh, it was a lot of communication. Uh, like some of us one on officials, like our first officials together. So that's where we like clicked off first. So it's been like a lot of communication from those first official visits up to now. So that's why we are together. You know, what's so great about all these signings is that they aren't done yet. There's still big names out there. Five-star Damani Jackson has a final two of Alabama and USC. He will be announcing this Friday, and you know, we will be all over his decision. It was a fun signing day, one filled with many surprises and shocking twists. Some schools will now focus on the February signing day and the transfer portal to finish out 22, but many will turn their full attention to 2023. We are about a year away from when the next class of recruits could put pen to paper, and as the 2020 three recruits make their decisions we will be all over it at 247sports.com i want to thank everyone for listening and for watching the signing day show yesterday for all of us at 247 sports i am lance glenn i hope your favorite program had a successful cycle and i wish you the best of luck with next year's class 